Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Hi folks, how are you? Uh, welcome along to another episode of my podcast, Soundtracking with Edith Bowman. Thank you so much for choosing to uh, listen to the podcast. I'm actually just home from spending the morning at Air Studios, um, which was a lot of fun. I haven't been there. It's my first time back since pre-lockdown and they've had a little bit of a refurb, which is very exciting. A new cafe, always lovely cups of tea in there. Bumped into David Arnold, as you do. Um, but I was there to interview Anne Nicotin, the wonderful composer. So you're going to hear that over the next couple of weeks. It's always really inspiring and wonderful to be in those uh, incredible building with all the amazing music that's been made in there over the years. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to get back there on a regular occurrence. Um, the Oscars, of course, happened last night. I'm going to focus on the positive. Uh, I'm wonderful to see um the phenomenal Ariana DeBose, our guest on the show a few weeks back, picking up the Best Actress Award for her phenomenal work in West Side Story. Um, just so happy for her and so deserved for that fantastic performance. Um, so yeah, loads of great uh, people winning awards as well, which is great. So congratulations to all the winners. And that is all I shall say about it for the minute. Um, but our guest on this landmark show, because ladies and gentlemen, please join me in wishing us a happy 300th birthday. We are celebrating our 300th episode. What? I'm going to do my own little Oscars acceptance speech here as a way of thanking each and every one of you. Um, so thank you first and foremost to our guests for sparing the time to chat to me and allow me to pick their brains about film and music, whether they are a one-time guest on the show or whether, like Ben Wheatley, they've been on five times. I can't thank you enough for just being part of our wonderful celebration of the unique and brilliant relationship that music and film have. Thank you to everybody who helps us facilitate the guests. So uh, all the film companies, the PR companies, the individuals, I really appreciate you helping us out and helping us facilitate some incredible conversation. And thank you to you for listening. Um, without you and your support, we wouldn't be able to keep this thing going. Um, we're very lucky and grateful that we can because we love making it. So thank you for listening. Whether you've listened to one episode, a handful, or you have been with us from the very start and are about to dive into episode 300, thank you so, so much. And my biggest personal thanks goes to Ben, who um, every week on the show just cracks on with it, to be honest. Um, he's a wizard, a wonderful human being, so generous with his time, so committed to the show, and it would not be the show it is without his invaluable support and talent. So, Ben, thank you so, so much for everything you do for the show. Um, I really appreciate it. And here's to the next 300 together, I hope. No pressure. Um, but to celebrate our landmark show, um, I thought this is a really nice way to do this because the one thing that we've done from the start on the show is to never really have an agenda apart from have a conversation about film and music. 
Um, yes, a lot of the time we speak to people around release dates, but we are not dictated to in terms of who we speak to. We might speak to a first-time director. We might speak to someone who's made a hundred films and everything in between. We might speak to writers, producers, composers, obviously music supervisors. Um, and I wanted to celebrate our 300th birthday by speaking to someone about a film that I absolutely loved. I have watched it several times. It is out in cinemas now. It just came out on Friday and it missed out on the Oscar in the best foreign film category, missing out to the Japanese road movie Drive My Car. I am talking about the worst person in the world. So I thought it'd be a nice way of celebrating our 300th birthday by celebrating a film that we absolutely love. Uh, Joachim Trier has received widespread acclaim for his black comedy drama, which tells the story of Julie as she tries to navigate the troubled waters of her love life and career and her life really and I don't know about you if you have seen the film already I saw so much of myself in this character and in this story that I I thought it was fantastic he's done an amazing job and it also has an astounding soundtrack so I think we should begin with a cue from the film this is Polly by Daphne start at the beginning in terms of yeah, what, yeah, let's what, do it. what was the seed of the idea for for first of all writing the worst person in the world and then obviously going on to direct this extraordinary film thank you no i um i wanted to do some like a love story mm. uh, but obviously love is not easy so i wanted to try to find a way to talk honestly about it uh and i was together with eskil folk my co-writer i guess we were sort of ambivalent or rather inspired by two directions on one hand we wanted to try our hand that's lighter romantic comedic elements and have fun with it and make it joyful and sensuous and playful on the other hand we we grow up one country over from Bergman you know like so scenes from a marriage and that kind of the generational take on how love feels difficult in specific ways right now between in this case, two generations in a way, because there's a bit of an age gap in the first relationship that we're viewing in the film. So so it's a, a mixture of light and heavy. We wanted yeah. to try to find some truth in between that. There's so much truth in it. That's what I think I found so, so connectable about the film, you know, in terms of both sides of all the relationships, you could kind of see your own experiences in so both sides of 
Julie, this incredible character that you you just fall in love with her immediately. You're kind of like, yes, you, I, I, I am with you, kind of wherever you go. And when you were writing it, the idea of kind of pouring your own experiences of love, love lost, you know, love kind of not the right yeah. time, the right place sort of thing. There's an abundance that kind of, I imagine that you could have both sort of thrown in there, but making it seem so real and, and carving that out. Was that an easy thing to do in terms of the stories to <laughs> the stories and the situations to have her go through? Really, I, I guess. Oh wow! Thank you for that. No, I uh, no, it's, I, I don't think making films is easy. It's it's always a struggle. But but I think what's fun about it is the combination that. So to break it down a bit, on one hand, I I felt when I was in my thirties a while back that I was sort of the Norwegian champion of heartbreak in my own life. Like I, <laughs> I had a hard time figuring it out. I met some yeah. wonderful people and we're, we're many of them I'm friends with today. Uh, you know, it's a good thing to look back on. I learned a lot, but it, it was, it was, it's hard. It's hard to negotiate intimacy and, mm-hmm. and, and the life choices that it becomes quickly very existential. Yeah. And I, I remember having this thought quite early on that I told Eskil that I feel, and uh, pardon, forgive me for sounding a bit intellectual, but it was me trying to, to analyze our perception of love in cinema. So we are often told that it's about essence, essence mm. in terms of finding the right one, and then everything will be fine. In my life, I think the factor of timing has often played in, 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 in weird ways. Like, I've been with someone who was at a different juncture in their life or wanted something else. I've been both the person who did not want children because I felt that I needed to be a filmmaker. And then yeah. I've been the person later on who wanted children and been with someone who was young, younger than me and ambitious and, and said, I, I, I can't deal with this right now. You yeah. know, like, so I've been on both sides of the fence and I was, I'm, I'm in my forties now uh, and I feel, I feel I have enough experience to try to do a humanist take on that where I can, not make anyone an antagonist, but try to understand them all, which is obviously the dynamic we want when we write drama. Because I feel that a lot of the pain that we go through in life, in families, in relationships, in friendships, no one has any bad intentions. It's just really, yeah. really hard to make it work out. So <laughs> that as, an, as, as kind of a starting point to make stories, I always find challenging, but more interesting. Yeah. Than just saying, oh, she's going to be with a real asshole of a guy. And obviously, she, we, we, the audience is going to want her to get out of that. That, that. that would be too easy, you know? There's a line that she says that I love that I was like, oh, I felt like that. Where she says, it's like I'm playing a supporting role in my own life. And it's kind of yeah. like, yeah. oh, man, that's an amazing line. It says so much, really. And I kind of, I was like, yes, I felt like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a very important. That's one of the moments of growth. Like she's realizing, also, like the film has the structure that it's through loss and grief and pain that yeah. we learn. Yeah. Sorry, you know, bad news, everyone. Don't yeah. we agree on that? I mean, that's, mistakes are a good we, thing. It's how we grow as better people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think so. I think yeah. so. I think that line that your your Julie feels like that she thought she would. She's brought up to believe she has possibilities, and she's obviously very smart and gifted in many ways, as we see in the film. But she doesn't know how to take that center stage of, and also in terms of self perception and self love. The, the title of the film that some people take very literally is obviously not 
judging anyone, the yeah. worst person in the world. It's meant yeah. as a, oh, Jesus, I, we all feel like failures a lot, don't we? Or at well, least yeah. I do. I, I, I feel, when you've, yeah. and when you've got to have, about. when you've got to have that conversation with someone that you've been through a lot with, or you've spent, you know, and you kind of, but you know, the right, that's the right conversation to have. And you feel like the worst person in the world. You're not, but you feel like yeah. it whilst you're having that conversation. You can see the pain they're going through, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Can we talk about music? Because the, the music in the film is stunning. It's everything from when A. Marie comes on and she's dancing and then it gets, <laughs> then it changes. You know, someone comes on and changes it. And you're like, no. And then, oh, actually, this is a good tune too. And then, yeah, Simande. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To, to that beautiful... Is it called Mamer? Sorry for my my pronunciation, but um, Mamer Loy, where she where she freezes time, which I love that yeah, moment yeah. in the film as well. Uh, the Ravel, the Ravel piece, yeah, yeah. And it's just it's so delicate and kind of it's sort of it's like a tide it kind of comes in and out at times as well. It's just so beautiful. Did you write with music in mind? Did you know how you wanted music to, where you wanted it placed? Play into in it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, we, we, Esco and I listen to music in the writing room all the time. We sit together most most of the time when we create the, the script. And then there's a moment at the end where Esco writes out scenes that we've agreed on and I edit a bit, but we're, we're in a room most of the time for a year at least. And we listen to music. Hmm. We try to capture the mood of the piece through, Music, so it, it's sometimes we know specific songs will fit here or there, or or it's it's a matter of like oh you know I'm a DJ too by the way, so I, I care a lot about different music traditions, and it's completely schizophrenic in this film. But, but as an example, we knew that there was the uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim Brazilian classic Waters of March that uh, we had found a, a fun Art Garfunkel version of. Yeah, which is from like nineteen mid seventies, nineteen seventy five album called Breakaway. Yeah, and Art Garfunkel is just beautiful. And we thought, what if this could be the end of the film? You know, that was an idea I had early. Like, and and it is now. We actually got that song to be wow. the end of the film. It's the joy in your heart. 
So we had those moments, but also like the whether it would be Sumande that they put on or some uh, boogie funk tune from the early 80s, or like what exactly a guy in his 40s is gonna put on when he wants to dance. I could have millions of ideas about that, you know. So it was about trying to find something that was kind of fun and 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 hip for that generation, as opposed to Amory, as you say, which is Julie grew up with a lot of '80s R&B. I'm sure. No, sorry, mm-hmm. '90s. And yeah. So that would be like the perfect or early 2000s for her generation, you know. So I'm, I'm trying to be both character specific, but also also just put music in that I emotionally I love, you know. Presenting yeah. tunes is a part of the fun of making movies. which is, is an all-time favorite of mine. And uh, now sitting out in LA doing this interview, I'm, I'm thinking about him all the time. Sort of That's the LA awesome. vibe. And yeah. Todd Rundgren. Todd yep. Rundgren is another favorite. Yeah. So, uh, the morning so, after, so people, yeah. That's the morning yeah, after, it's, the, yeah. it's, it's an album called Healing, which is remarkable that he has done. And yeah, anyway, so tons of music, jazz, classical, all kinds of things. the way you look tonight as well is gorgeous that's so beautiful yes, that's, when she's it's, moving it's in a, with accent. yeah that's yeah. also a, a very very trying to generally for this film find uh, music that has joy 
but also melancholy. Like that makes just the vibe I'm after in this film. That, yeah. That it has both. And uh, the way it looks tonight is, is the, the perfect, it sets the mood completely to me. for being allowed also to use these songs it's damn expensive and our, <laughs> our uh goran ubad who is our music supervisor has just done a great job collecting all of the stuff and managing all the contracts <laughs> there's a Not lot easy. of music there is a lot yeah. of music but it's so it works so well and even sort of that that little scene where there where the amory track and then um Samand. And I love that kind of use of music sort of diegetically, but then also not. And how you, the, the shot from outside the cabin almost, and they're all dancing and you can sort of hear the music for a few seconds. And then just before that, it, but it's all muted almost in a way. And then the light shade incident happens as well. It's just, it's got lovely texture to it as well. That just really makes you, immerses you in the film even more so, I think. Thank you. No, I, I care a lot about sound. I grew up, uh, my father was a jazz musician when he was young, but he's also a sound designer in movies and mm. sound recorder even. So I was on set a lot as a child, uh, sitting next to the person who got the sound. And in my films, there's always like 100% sync recorded sound for all dialogue. We really fight hard to create situations so we can capture it. There's no yeah. post-sync, unless maybe one line or two for narrative reasons. But no, the performance and the sound of the human voice in that moment needs to be the one that we got on set, you know? And I shoot on 35, so even the camera is sometimes a little bit noisy. And, you know, we're... So sound and music matters a lot to movies. And I like to watch movies in a theater. You know, I, 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 sh I make my films for the big screen, even yeah. though I know more people will watch them at home, but that's fine too. But I really try to get the balance of that sound emotion thing right. It's also an important decision to know when not to use music or not to overpower it with. And there's that lovely moment where Julie's sitting on the, she's sitting on the bench looking out and, it, and, there's, and there's nothing. And then the... Chassel piece comes in, Water Voices yeah. and Snow.
I almost stopped breathing for a minute kind of thing just kind of and it's just it's yeah it's it's so beautifully constructed I'm, I'm a big fan of Chassola the French musician pianist composer genius you know I, I love him and and I, I met him a couple of times and he's he's amazing and but it's the music is also so powerful in itself and that just as you said very accurately we, you got to be cautious you know yeah. if you ramp up the music you you drown the image it needs to counter it needs to come in a little bit later than you think it maybe not at the volume you expect or you know I, 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 we're all, of course, super fans of Hans Zimmer and, you know, the great Hollywood composers. But when I saw Dune, I was like, my God, you know, there's many, many great things I could say about that film. But I just think that there's such, that, like the music is, is so, there's so much of it and it's so loud. And I was like, oh, I have to see this a second time to really experience it. It becomes, maybe it's me being too, too sensitive, but it's so much. We're used to movies yeah. flaunting their great musical work to, to such extent at all the time. And we're, we're raised in that tradition and I completely respect it. I wouldn't be able to do it because it takes a certain skill I don't have. So again, it's not to say anything bad about it, but I come from a different school. I need silence because it structures my narrative. I need to come down and then build up again. That, mm. that's the way I tell stories and yeah. we all do this differently but for me that's very important how much in terms of making the film as well you know do you it how much did the film did you shoot what you needed in terms of or or, or did you you know there are some everyone works differently in terms of in the edit kind of it, it took on a slightly different form or we had to cut this or whatever and stuff what's your mm. kind of process with that I mean I think it's just because I'm hankering after you know extra scenes that weren't in there because I yeah, want yeah, yeah. I need more of her I need more of the story yeah no thank you I, I there's a lot of a lot of scenes that didn't make it into the final cut and we kind of oh, wow. knew for this one that that was going to be the way because it has that fragmented structure of chapters and moments and moving through large areas of someone's life. You know, we're actually watching several years uh, play out. There's uh, a Criterion Blu-ray coming out with a few uh, extra scenes that are going to be on it. So <laughs> there's like a, a scene I'm very, very proud of that we had in the middle, uh, which is a SMS split screen scene that we came up with where they, uh, Julia and Axel haven't spoken for a while. And there's sort of a complex time-lapse structure where we, we watch them in a split-screen sequence live their lives in the correspondence of a, of a text messaging correspondence of like, she needs oh, some wow. books, she forgotten it's flat. And he really gets very excited. She's in touch, but then she doesn't answer when he expects to, and he gets hurt. And it's like oh, seeing that back and forth of how hard it is to be yeah. ex-partners and trying yeah. to communicate about simple things. Um, ultimately we didn't put in the film because we needed him to completely leave the story for a while for them yeah. to return with more of an emotional urgency yeah. uh but that it floors piece of, you yeah, floors yeah you but that, that, that 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 middle piece that we took out i i am very proud of it as a scene it's like a short film in itself so that's going to be out there on the blu-ray but um yeah no i you know that i i shoot more than i need and i think that's a that's a luxury that makes for better movies you know? mm. and and I, I wouldn't be able to work that way when i was younger for financial reasons but now i I have uh, people around me, producers, that understand that that is a bit of the process. We got to be taking a chance with some of this material. Did um, Renata's performance influence any choices on music? Because she embodies that character. I mean, you kind of, it's just an, it's an incredible performance, I think, you know, in terms of it's so truthful. 
did her performance, it's interesting when I sometimes speak to composers, Nicholas Brattel is a great example where when he worked on If Beale Street Could Talk and he talks about Regina King's yeah, character particularly. Beautiful work. Oh my God, that's such beautiful And he, he said that if it had been a different actor in that role, yeah. the score would have been different because he mm-hmm. wrote specifically for her performance. And I wondered whether Renata's performance, if it informed any choices for you with regards to the music and stuff, because they feel so, you know, they feel like they're, they could be part of her, you know, on her device that she listens to music or they're part of her world or what she would listen to. Or like you mentioned, the Amory thing would be something that she would be familiar with or whatever. But I wondered if her, if it went that far where her performance informed any of those choices for you. I think that's a great question. And I think in a way you answered it. Yes, this has, this is exactly the balance. Her performance will define everything as I come into the editing room and Anders' performance and and Herbert Nordner's performance, like all of them, because we will cut words a lot because we don't need them on set. Mm -hmm. And Eskil, Fokta, me as writers, we, we, we love that. We feel, okay, the intention of the scene is better without those words, we'll drop them. We're not very precious about the actual wording usually. So the same goes in the edit, like, oh, we thought we would build this scene up with a strong song like that. And actually we just need silence because I don't want to touch this. This, this moment was perfect, the way that Renato, for example, did it. So it's, it's a balancing act of, not, of, of um, always on set, always in the edit, always in the mix, being awake, alert to what is at play and not losing it. Yeah. That's, that's the clue. It's so easy to put something on top of something else and suddenly... I'll give you another example that we don't talk about enough, color grading. We shoot on 35 because a lot of the skin tones, the complexity of faces matters to me. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in the grading, if you want to do... So, we're always cautious of magenta, red, for example. If, if I, I shoot a lot of white walls and light is messy and suddenly it's either blue or red and we try to balance and we find neutrality which is like a virtue i think in in balancing a good exposed image a clear white in the middle of it somewhere that's always like a good place to think about it suddenly i realized oh my god we've taken out some red and renata's skin tones she's blushing Maybe she's tearing up, not quite crying, and the red in her eyes disappeared. And suddenly we are muting, we're muting the performance yeah. through the color grading. So everything matters. You got to be very aware. And Julien Alary, our colorist, is very aware of this. Like it's humanist cinema, it's, it's about human beings and feeling them and being close to them and seeing what the actors reveal to us that maybe is hidden for the people around them in the same room in the scene. But we need to see it. We need to feel that intimacy of sometimes loneliness of someone mm-hmm. at the dinner party like in the film we're seeing something that the others aren't seeing and if we mute the colors suddenly some of the performance is lost so sound color grading all that stuff is based on the performance yeah and um, i think that you've also captured the most honest breakup sex scene i've ever seen as well i think that whole I'm like it's so you're like oh don't do it don't oh yeah no yeah yeah we've all been there it's kind of there's just some it's that kind of thing of the you just don't want to let go and but you know it's oh, it's it's so emotional it's such a wonderful 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 watch and I'm so glad that the film's you know it's getting recognized and I'm it's coming out in cinemas and I'm so excited for people to to go and see it in cinemas I kind of like <laughs> this kind of weird slightly sadistic thought of going away be quite nice to just kind of Go out for a night out with get some of your ex-boyfriends together and go out and watch the film together. 
<laughs> just put everything to pass and just kind of, you know, let's, uh, yeah. you know, this is a good way just to go. I'm sorry. You're sorry. Let's just, you know, <laughs> be love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I think that would be awesome. I know for a fact that several people have told me that they got in touch with their exes after having seen the film. Uh, I hope that was a good thing. Not necessarily that people re-engaged with their exes in, in yeah. a romantic sense, but at least trying to like have closure or, or say, hey, you matter to me. A, a big theme in the film is that all of these fragments that we think are passing moments. Yeah. And life hasn't quite yet begun, has it? You know, these are just things that I'm going through now before the real thing happens. Those things are the big components of life. Those are the building blocks of our history. These are the, maybe that relationship we thought was not so important is to actually the one where you learn the most mm. to realize who you are or what you need. And um, so that's a part of the story. So yeah, if people can, can resolve some ex-partner issues, great. <laughs> whilst watching a fantastic film um, listen I wish you all the success this weekend as well and, and I'm excited to see what's Thank next you. do you do you have the next project kind of you know in some shape or form I hope or even in your head we're, we're, we're gonna you know we haven't had much time because the film has had such a wonderful journey and yeah. we've travelled with it but so Eskel and I are going to go in back into the writing room uh, actually in a couple of weeks and start writing on the next one I, I'm the kind of filmmaker that work uh, I've written five films with Eskil and I've directed five films. I don't have any scripts that I haven't made. And I'm very proud about that. And I don't say that in an arrogant way. It's, it's rather that I fight for the personality of each project to kind of, to be what it needs to be without developing a hundred different things. So yeah. that's what we're going to continue to do. Amazing. Well, thank you for the worst person in the world and for the therapy as well. I feel like I got with it. <laughs> and the amazing soundtrack um, it's such a treat to get to chat to you and I hope we can do it on the next project too oh I would love to thank you for having you me take care bye bye good luck this weekend thank you <laughs> bye I said goodbye to me I looked in the mirror then I began to cry I leave my things behind for all to see and hope that she will understand why Like changing the name of your favorite song Step out of rhyme for the very first time And the song is gone I said goodbye to me I looked in the mirror Then I began to cry From the soundtrack to The Worst Person in the World, that's I Said Goodbye to Me by Harry Nielsen, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Joachim Tria. My huge thanks to Joachim for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, you can watch his film in cinemas now, The Worst Person in the World. And despite falling short of the Oscars, it really was worthy of its nomination in the Best Foreign Film category. And once again, my huge thanks to you for listening. We really are incredibly proud to have made 300 episodes of this podcast with some of the best filmmakers, composers, musicians, screenwriters and talents and creatives on the planet. And we're going to continue doing that for as long as we can. 
because we'll be back next week as always with episode 301 i very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.